Hello and welcome to yet another A Star to Steer Her By, that Ooh. Star Trek podcast that you've been listening to for like years now. Why? <laughs> uh, Man. You've you've probably been keeping count. If you haven't, you've run out of fingers and toes for this because we are on episode 240. Woo! You know who else has run out of fingers and toes? Are the Vidians, but we'll get to them yeah. in a minute. Because, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going like to start. Snots. We're talking about Cathexis and Faces today. It's going to be a good day. As usual, this is Ames. As you've come to expect, this is Caitlin. Jake. And as is occasionally the case, this is Chris. When Usually. is it not the case? Uh, I don't know. I occasionally do bad impressions. There was one time you were being George Lucas, and that was strange. <laughs> it rhymes like poetry. Uh, this is better than any of that. Thank God. Let's talk about Cathexis a little bit. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> it's not, because I, I really thought it was going to be cat hexes. <laughs> but I, I listened to it online. It's Cathexis. For once in my life, I actually guessed correctly on a pronunciation, because that's kind of what I figured <laughs> it would be. All right, so in this episode, we start off, and Jane Way is playing Jane Eyre on some <laughs> holodeck program. <laughs> nice. Or, you know, a, a close approximation to Jane Eyre. The characters are different, but, you know... Yeah. All those novels are roughly the same from that time period. Yeah. And she's about to get her rocks off with Lord Burley when Kim calls her away to deal with some bullshit. Rats. Uh, so it turns out Chakotay and Tuvok were out investigating a what's-it, and then they get found unconscious in their shuttle pod. Interesting. Uh, they go ahead and revive Tuvok, but they realize Chakotay's kind of brain dead. And I wonder how you can tell the difference between that and normal Chakotay. We both made the same joke! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poor thing. So Torres breezes into to sickbay and starts tooling around with Chakotay's magical Native American MacGuffin uh. all up in here. And totally gets schooled by the EMH on this shit, but we'll get to that later on because I'm certain we'll talk about it. Oh, we will. Oh, so boy. we're flying back to the what's it to figure out what the hell just went down when suddenly Paris changes course and everyone's like, ugh, typical Paris. And he says, no, 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 I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And then Torres shuts down the warp core and everyone's like, ugh. Typical Torres. And she says, no, it really was. None of this is us. There is a mystery afoot and we get to solve it. And it turns out that there's some energy being that keeps possessing people briefly. And it seems like it's trying to keep them from going back to the what's it. What a jerk. <laughs> uh, it knocks out Kess into a coma. It turns off the EMH. Everyone's getting all... Red scare about this and getting paranoid and pointing <laughs> pointing fingers when anyone oh, does literally anything. Like Harry's thinking about boobs. He must be <laughs> possessed by the alien. <laughs> no, that's just normal Harry stuff. And Harry's like, no, no, no. I was actually thinking about boobs. That's I'm I'm still me. <laughs> so finally, the being inhabits a whole bunch of bodies in succession on the bridge and attacks the fuck out of Tuvok. And Tuvok says, fuck this noise, stuns the whole damn bridge, and comes up and says, ha ha, 
I am a Komar, some kind of non-corporeal alien thing who wants to feed on everyone's neural energy to death. Dun dun dun! But everyone keeps getting possessed by, by another entity, so they're like, huh, there's another one. Oh my god, it's actually Chakotay trying to prevent the Komar from delivering the crew to its people to have their brains sucked out of their heads. Uh, so we blast the Komar out of Tuvok somehow. Science. Unclear. We use the magical Native American MacGuffin, which actually ended up serving a purpose, which I was not expecting it to, mm. to navigate them out of the what's it. And then they cram Chakotay back into his body, pan flutes all around the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the episode I watched, yeah. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right off the bat. Go, go for it. These fuckers were grinding my gears again. By referring to the story as being set in ancient England. Oh no, like the ancient West? Yeah, or again, <laughs> it's not a long enough time period. That's like, if it's Jane Eyre, it's like 1810-ish. Like, how much more ancient term. than the ancient West, though? But how old does something have to be to consi- be considered ancient? I mean, older than that. No, I already had that conversation with you. I'm asking them. <laughs> oh god, I don't know. 500 years. Well, if that's all, then it is ancient. No, because think about it. We don't call the 1500s the ancient world. That's the Renaissance. Well, yeah, but it's only the, it's like... only the Renaissance because all that good shit happened. If it had just been another shitty couple of years, they probably would call it the ancient world. I think it's ancient once all of like the discrete eras kind of blend together. It's like, ancient when it's sepia-toned. Like, you can still <laughs> say, right. you know, the Renaissance... And you can say the Enlightenment, and you can say the uh, Victorian era or the Edwardian era. But once you get so far out that, like, all those are just like, yeah, that's just olden times, you know, that that maybe that's where it becomes. Maybe. I just I just think it's like a dumb joke that I wish they would stop making. It is a dumb joke. Also, uh, did anyone did anyone recognize the maid? No, I didn't look close at, at the maid. I, I mean, I should say I didn't recognize her. I was like, I think I've seen her. So I did. I looked her up. This is her fourth and final Star Trek appearance. She was previously uh, two different Romulans. Mm-hmm. One I don't remember. The other was the one that was constantly challenging Troy in the episode where Troy was turned into a Romulan. Oh, shit. Oh, it's that woman. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot this. She was also the woman who invented warp drive in that one episode where they were, like, getting ready to do first contact if they did the warp experiment, and then they didn't. So she's like, hey, Picard, can I go with you because my world sucks? I'm pretty sure the name of that episode was First Contact. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That woman. Oh, word. Oh, she's excellent. I'm glad we get to see her again. Yep. And I'm sorry we don't get to see her more now because, yeah, she's great. There and also I, Riker has sex with an alien. Oh, yeah, that's that episode? Her. Oh, yes, yes, it is. So it is. That's right. That's, that's right, what that's I right. said. So it is that episode. Didn't I say that? No. Oh. I think you asked if it was the one where he was in the loony bin. Oh. That was a different one. Okay. Well, at some point oh, you made me one. understand that it was the one where he got um, down with that horny alien. So. And I did thought... You, did you also recognize our newest best friend that we get to hang out with for two episodes, Peter Durst? Not until I looked him up, but once I did, I was like, holy shit, that's okay. I'm so happy to see him. Yep. 
Well, do you want to tell the, the listeners don't get too who bored. it is? Yeah, right. Hey. What did he say? He hopes his cells don't get too bored. Because that's how his immortality machine worked. It kept oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, that was our good friend, Dr. Geiger, the guy who had that that cell on Wii machine that Jake what? and Nog were helping with, and it was adorable. What's really funny about Durst is uh, because he was suddenly just there and kind of prominent in this episode. You knew I was, he wasn't going to last long? No, I was thinking he was the problem. I was thinking he was like our... Oh. Like, uh, remember that... TNG, where everyone loses their memories. Conundrum. Oh, yeah. yeah. Conundrum. And there's that random Macduff. guy there. Clay, yeah, Macduff. And like in that one, it's more obvious because no, we as the audience know Macduff doesn't belong there. But I was thinking that. It's like, this guy's just here all of a sudden. He's got a weird amount of lines for a, an extra. And he seems to always be around right when things go hooey. <laughs> so I was really expecting him to be the cause. And once he wasn't, I was like, oh. And then when he showed up in the next one, I was like, oh, he's not making it out of this yeah, one. They yeah. just decided as, to establish him. As we're going to see in in the second half of our episode when we talk about Faces, yeah, they went ahead and said, we're going to establish him so that in Faces it's a bigger deal. Yeah. Kind of like what they did with with uh, the Seska reveal that mm. we talked about last week, two weeks ago, sometime. Uh, I don't know anymore. Well, they can't just do that every two weeks or it gets stale, so. The thing is, she was at least, you know, seated a little more. You know, she'd been there from pretty much the off. Was here and there, had some lines, had more lines. Mm-hmm. Detmer. De- uh, D- Duff. What's his name? I've already... Durst? Durst. Durst. Uh, just a little in your face with his music and his stuff. You talking about Limp Biscuit? Yeah, I was trying to make a Fred Durst joke. Oh, could... that's what you were doing. Yeah. With his, yeah. So I, sorry, I, I with his, with his nookie and his joke. no talent. Yeah. I did yeah, actually. I think I, yeah, I think I liked this one more than I was expecting to, considering it sounds a lot like other episodes we've seen a lot. Yeah, I, like, I think it, like, for me, it worked because I didn't really remember how it went. Yeah, right before all. the reveal that it's Chakotay's engrams flying around, Jake turns to me and says, It's going to be Chakotay, isn't it? <laughs> and, like, have you seen this one before? And he's like, I, If I di- did, I don't remember. Because I'm like, okay, because I know, I know it's going to be Chakotay, which yeah. is a a decent twist that, you know, because we've seen the crew getting possessed by aliens yeah. all the fucking time that for it to actually be, oh, you're getting possessed by just another crew member. And that's kind of different. So that's good on them for being different. Well, also, yeah. you know, they, it, do, they do the whole switcheroo where it's like, okay, you think that there's aliens that are trying to prevent them from going to the nebula. You know, and that they keep interfering at the times when, oh, we're about to go into the nebula and they fuck with you. Oh, there's clearly something in that nebula that we got to see. But then obviously it turns out that, no, it's not aliens. It's Chakotay who's trying to prevent us from going to the nebula because he knows that's where the the bad aliens are. Yeah, that's actually it's a pretty good twist. And it kind of fucks up the uh, aliens game. So now. (laughs) Are we all, because we, we kind of talked about this a little last night. Uh, How dare Caitlin. you? I wasn't there. But, uh, so does that just mean Tuvok had actually been possessed the whole time? I'm going to say yes. Like, do we think it was always in charge? Did it sometimes submerge itself? Or, because that, once, once, because that, that's the problem, you find out so late what's going on, you're like, oh, wait, I now have to reassess everything, but shit. 
Yeah, my best guess would be that it's him the whole time, and he's just kind of like reading reading Tuvok's memory, so he knows what to do. Yeah. Like the way that Tuvok neck pinches Kess out, and you see he left these massive bruises. True, that a, yeah, which a, a good Vulcan would never do. Yeah, no, a good Vulcan would know how to do it. Yeah, and I love how. Because I was going to say, like, oh, man, Tuvok just wants to mind meld everybody all the time now. But no, that must have been the alien trying to get rid of Kess so yeah. that Kess wouldn't be using her abilities, which come about every so often because she's this when, magical thing. When they're plot convenient. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't like that Neelix was trying to fucking gaslight her about it, though, by the way. Like, I understand. I, I, I. The first time we met him, I really kind of was like, all right, I grudgingly like Neelix. But every week, I feel like he reveals more and more that he's actually just a twat and I don't like him. Like, I don't think he's he's like are you sure this isn't just like last time when you had a dream about a fucking orange or something or whatever the fuck it was? Well, I, don't it was think, just like, I don't think he's trying to gaslight her. I think he's just he doesn't fully understand. He's trying yeah, to, trying and to understand. She. she doesn't yeah. understand her power. How is it either? Yeah, but he's so they're kind of, you know, it's it's. I think he, you know, phrases it poorly when he's just trying to understand, but... Well, I mean, also, another point against Neelix is what the fuck did he do <laughs> to that Plomake soup? Like... What the fuck, Neelix? I think he peed in it. Like, I honestly don't... Like, like, but I loved Tuvok's point. Like, you can't say it's a taste of home if you literally fucked with a time-honored traditional recipe, you stupid that's, fucker. That's, that's the, the next, next one, right? episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn oh, it. Oh, that's not until the next episode. Oh, yeah, that's the, the next shark. episode. Yeah, because if this because opens... Because this, this Tuvok wouldn't know if it was good Plomik soup or not. That's yeah, true. That, that been a good could twist. have been a plot point. They could yeah. have, they they been have had a good him twist. eat the Plomik soup and been like, mmm, that's delicious. Then and he was like, Just huh. like home. And he's like, really? Because I added I, all this bullshit. I took a big dump in the in the pot <laughs> while I was cooking it. You know, like I do with all my food. Oh, dear. <laughs> do you think yeah. he uses a litter box? He strikes me as being cat-esque. <laughs> Probably. Honestly, yeah. I feel like humans should use a litter box, but... What are you gonna no, do? No, that's nasty. You just scoop it out. Yeah, but what if human anyway, shit is, is a different <laughs> consistency than cat shit? Yeah, it would uh, be a so, total disaster. Our cats so, have a better diet than we do. To be entirely that's correct. true. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually, I looked up medicine wheels. Oh, did you? I was Holy like, shit. How, how wrong did they get this? What uh, do they belong to? A particular tribe? So or? that's the thing. My first thought was, wait a minute, this thing looks Mesoamerican, and I thought Chakotay was North American. So first of all, medicine wheels are not normally printed out. They were, in fact, mostly... It is the future, Chris. Well, so they were mostly utilized, and they're not always called medicine wheels, but they often were. Different tribes maybe had specific terms that translate differently. But they were generally the Plains Indians of North America. Okay. So having Mesoamerican-looking symbols all over it, strike one. Okay, so at least a little bit of research went in. Uh, well... Here we go. Well, but also they, so, they're like it, a Stonehenge, though, more than a... Yeah, they're like, well, not a henge. It's basically, they were usually drawn out on the ground in small stones with some lines pointing in the cardinal directions and all this. What they were using was something a little more akin to a New Age version of medicine wheels, which were invented by another fake Native American. But I wonder if oh, that nice. fake ma- medicine wheel is the one that l- that ends up kind of lasting into the future, though. Like a, like a game of telephone. K- k- kind of, but again, the, the real issue there becomes the Mesoamerican symbol- symbols on it. Because again, Chakotay, I, I don't think, is supposed to be Mesoamerican. Here's, here's like- going to be the craziest twist of all. 
Ooh. It's going to turn out that Chakotay is a fake Native American, that the character <laughs> isn't, a, he's like Italian. That's what we're going to find Yikes. out. Remind me if we know what tribe Chakotay has um, I don't think, orig, origins in. I don't think they specify, I feel okay, like. Okay, I honestly I like I forget if, if they they've not? established or if it's not even a thing. But at the very least, I think they they leave it vague, but he's definitely North American, not mm-hmm. South or Mesoamerican. But they also, so, I mean, they have the whole animal guide thing, right? Like, that's that's like a Southwest sort of thing, isn't it? That I don't know enough about to know if that's limited yeah. to specific groups or well, not, know, oh, Yeah, I guess I'm just he thinking also of, might like, not be like, like the use of psychedelics tribe. and things like that, I think, was... I more associate with the Southwest, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is different. I, don't know enough about I thought they comments. kind of all had totems and stuff. Is that not so? Well, a lot have totems, but they don't necessarily have personal... Again, unfortunately, also just our, the idea that you have to take some kind of psychedelic to, you know, m- encounter your 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 animal. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's also possible. I mean, again, just putting aside the fact, like, let's ignore for the moment the phoniness of their advisor. Like, it's also possible. You know, I mean, look where 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 we are right now. What Voyager's late twenty fourth century? We're here in the earlyish twenty first. You know, the, the Native American populations are even horribly decimated. It's completely possible that over the course of the next 300 years, tribes merge, combine, traditions yeah, change. Yeah, already there are a lot. Like, I have a, I have a cousin who, and I'm hopefully, I'm hopefully getting this right, because I believe he's half Mohawk. Mm. And he was married for a, to a, for a while to a woman who was another tribe, and they had a kid. So what does that make the kid? Mm. Well, I don't know. I think it's... No different than any other intermarrying cultures, right? You know, the kids probably, you know, I got. I think know, it my, depends. My yeah, parents, it depends on the my culture. My father's side's from Italy. My mother's side's from elsewhere in Europe. Yeah, but the thing is, is if you're one of you is from two different places in Europe, you're probably still more likely to be at least in the same like faith. Or at least a similar faith. And, like, if your different Native American tribes may have had, like, vastly different oh, sort sure. of spiritual and religious beliefs. Like, I, mean, I feel like if you're from, your mom's from Italy and your dad's from Germany, you probably celebrate Christmas. I feel like if you're from two intermingling tribes, there's probably a lot more, like, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't the, know what the words the, I want I are, feel like but you just, a lot more different traditions. You have, you know, your own... Your yeah. own family traditions, you know. There's, there's other instances that I, I don't. Basically, I'm saying I don't think this is an experience specific to Native Americans. I think it's probably no, but I guess anywhere there's, where you have cultures, sort of. Yeah, but there's there's a bit more. I assume again, I'm speaking as a friggin' honky, uh, <laughs> there's probably a bit more pressure there of like, oh shit, like we'd like to keep our traditions alive. You know, our numbers have been very badly sort of whittled down and such, and. Yeah, I mean, look at how little we goddamn know, because our own school systems never really bothered to teach us anything about the people we displaced so horribly. Also, I I didn't know this until, like, the Latin school never taught me. Native Americans didn't have the right to vote until the 19-fucking-70s. Holy fuck balls, are you serious? What the ass? Yeah, 
Like, what? I'm sorry, what? They've literally fucking lived here forever. Are you fucking shitting me? That's yeah, crazy. if we're going to keep making decisions about how to treat them, they should be involved in those decisions. Well, that's probably exactly ah. why they fucking didn't want them voting. Like, I kind of thought the oh, last... that's horrible. That's fucked. Yeah, like, and again, like, that has never, never came up in anything where people were talking about, you know... Like, I, oof. Anyway, let's not harp on this the whole time. Yeah, anyway. We all still, again, lack sort of the proper background. You know who has a better background? The EMH. EMH. <laughs> Amazing. Because I love it when Torres comes in and she's like all smug and like, I'm going to school the EMH on Chakotay's beliefs because I know Chakotay better than you do. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, I, I have the computer knowledge of all the things based on his history. So, yeah, I, you're the one who's getting it wrong. Take that stone out of out of the um, out of that quadrant. <laughs> I, I love because it didn't occur to me, but as soon as he said it, it's a, a proper, you know, emergency medical program. You know, you're going to program it with medicine and traditions because, again, sometimes you're going to come up against like, oh, you know, this culture, don't don't do an autopsy or this culture, you know. That was the Ferengi, right? Yeah. Uh, don't use a medicine derived from X because Y. It's like, you know, so like it's important to know the idea that it's important for him to know all these things, whether or not he believes them or not. The fact that it's important really speaks to like. I actually have a philosophical question about that, though. Yeah. Which is to say that as a doctor, your first and foremost whole thing is that you're supposed to save lives. Mm hmm. What if, if, if the human will not let you save their life, though, yeah. what can you do? But what if, like, for example, you're dealing with someone, well, someone like Chakotay, who is literally brain dead. What if his beliefs were like, you know, I don't know, like, say he didn't, ha he doesn't have a DNR, but like, that's what his culture is, is like DNR. Do they then just like let him go? You know what I mean? Possibly. Like, if you haven't spoken to someone directly about that? I don't know. And there's also, I mean... It could be one of these things where, like, when you join Starfleet, you waive certain rights. Or at you least know. you have to document what yours are. Even yeah. if they if they conflict with, with your culture, or if they conflict with what Starfleet would do, just naturally. Like, yeah. if Starfleet would be like, no, we can probably save you... But you have written in your final in your in your file, like in this instant, don't save me. Then that's that's gold. Yeah. yeah. I, I also assume that a situation like this where we don't really know what happened and we know that there's weird shit. Yeah. You know, if they had flown back to the nebula and there was just nothing there, they'd be like, all right, well, I guess he's dead. Yeah. Pull the plug. But in this case, it's like, hmm, something weird happened on that shuttle. Maybe we should go check it out. And then decide, you know, whether or not we can we can put them back together. Right, because Tuvok was telling was, was selling this lie of, oh, we were attacked by a ship. Yeah, that's what happened. Yep. They might know what's going on. Yeah, thanks, that's right, Tuvok. That's right. So I, I, I don't know. My my so my um my tinfoil hat theory is that these aliens, the the Black Nebula energy aliens, are actually. The same aliens from Power Play. Ooh, that's cool. They, they kind of do. They kind of act the same way. They do Which similar one's Power shit. Power Play again. It's the one where these there's the, the the aliens that are criminals and they take over Troy and uh, Miles, Miles and Deanna. Oh, no, and, and Data. You said Troy. And Data. Yeah, and they they were pretending to be the crew of a crashed Starfleet vessel at first, right? Yeah. Yep. But they're just like they're like manipulative jerks. In that case, they were extra bad because they were like, 
criminals. Mm. So they they didn't just want to like they they you know they they wanted to take over all of the ships so that they could escape their their prison. Although I think the idea with these guys was less that like they took over Tuvok because they needed him to lure the ship, but then I think the idea was once they got there, they were just going to eat their neural energy, right? They weren't actually yeah. going to take them over. Mmm, tasty. Om nom neural energy. Man, you know what they should do? They should get these al- They should tell these aliens about that planet with the rings where all the neural energy from that species <laughs> that dies oh. is. Oh! It'd be a fucking, you know, it's a sizzler, man. Just, just go. Just eat to your heart's content. <laughs> it's terrible. It's a sizzler. Oh, that's cruel. Funny, but cruel. Mm. I mean, theoretically, they could find out about it because they they had access to Tuvok. They could have just looked, be like, oh, oh, neural energy ring planet. Let's let's just go there. Oh no, God! Now I'm worried. That's what they did. <gasps> I don't think they can leave the nebula. That's why they needed needed the ship to come to them. Ah, uh, that's a good point. That would make sense. There was a comment on Memory Alpha I read that there was supposed to be a plot point where, you know, where that flash thing happens and everyone's like, oh, and then the alien jumps out of Tuvok and was like, oh, no, I didn't like that and runs away or Mm. something. Yeah. Originally, it would be um, Tuvok is blinded by a phaser flash, but both Tim Russ and the director, whose name I didn't write down evidently, but uh, Tim Russ and the director said, yeah, but Vulcans have extra eyelids. So, um, no. I was Bravo. just going to ask about the goddamn wow. islands. I'm Good glad job. that they, uh, they caught that. I Tuvok, love that Tim it, Russ knew that. Yeah, he's a better Star Trek fan than the writers. I, shit, that's, that's kind of great. Because you never really know with these shows how, how what anyone's history with it is when they jump aboard. But clearly, uh, clearly he's a fan. Well, or he just did all his research, as a good Vulcan should. Either way, he mm-hmm. censors, right? Censors. Censors. That's, that's terrific. I love that. Yeah, that made me think I had a thought, but apparently I didn't. No, oh, here's a thought. Why isn't Janeway still in her British garb when she goes to sickbay? <clears throat> she must have taken her 20 minutes to get out of it. I know, unless it was just beamed onto her. Yeah, I, they, they probably should have established that at some point, that the clothes are hollows too. But the problem is we've had so many times where they've left the, not sickbay, holodeck <laughs> in costume so that we right. know that apparently they're not. But They're just getting dressed up on their own. You know what it is? That dress is so fucking huge. It was tear away. Her uniform was underneath. <laughs> well, maybe there's just new new holodeck technology now. Well, yeah. Because we that. also see that in First Contact. Mm-hmm. When yeah, that's Picard true. When and Lily have holographic clothes, evidently. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah. It's the only logical explanation for how quickly they change. Now, even when he's, yeah, even when he's programming the computer, he, he like looks at her, he's like, oh, something in you know, size eight or whatever. I think he just so. specifies the material or something, satin or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, something in satin, yeah. You're no. Right. But still, I mean, he, he specifies the material, so clearly he's programming the computer to make her a, a dress. Yeah. So now, the, wasn't this whole hollow novel thing left over from it was cut from a different episode yeah it was cut from eye of the needle which is the one where we meet that romulan out of time and it was originally meant to go there but that episode was a it was getting too long to even fit in anyway plus it was going way over budget mostly (laughs) because of the hollow novel thing which is very expensive to do so they're like uh leave it because they had actually like all of this was filmed for eye of the needle 
Right. And they literally just took the whole thing, chopped out the end where where Kim would have just walked on or something. I believe Kim would have walked on and said, uh, Janeway, we need you over here uh, instead of just being a voice. Yeah. That says the thing. It also was originally meant to be a Wild West program, but that would have been very expensive because they would have needed horses. And then when you need horses, you need horse wranglers. When you need mm-hmm. horse wranglers, wranglers, horse wranglers, you need all these other things. And also, Mulgrew refuses to work with horses. Good for him. That's fair. Didn't didn't say. Do we think it's like a fear thing or like a cruelty thing? Could Um, be an allergy. I'm going to say horses know what they did. (laughs) We know. So we know Captain Picard likes horses. We know Captain Kirk Kirk likes horses. Do we know about Cisco's? Cisco does not like horses. He does. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't strike me as being outdoorsy. He fishes. That, he yeah, fishing. but that's different. That's a different kind of outdoorsy, I should say. Mm. Like, there's a special kind of outdoorsy to be a horse person. Yeah, it usually requires you to be rich. Yeah, but it's the future. No one's rich. Yeah, you can just replicate a horse. Weird. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. he grew up, uh, well, I grew up in working in his father's restaurant. I, I don't feel like... Joe was taking him out horseback riding much when he was a kid. Yeah, probably not. They were too busy running the restaurant together. Mm-hmm, that makes and sense. And we know he was... Hmm? I said that makes sense. Yeah, and he was learning piano. And, uh... Can't do piano and horses, that's... that's no, that's no, thing. they both take too much time, it's one or the other. Now... Well, what if you could play piano while riding on horseback? Uh, then Mr. Barnum would like to offer you a job. <laughs> Now, at what point during the Hollow novel would Janeway have discovered that the handsome fellow had been banging her grandmother? Uh-huh. Oh, that would have been the next scene. Uh-huh. But she'd been in, she would have been into it, so that it doesn't affect the plot at all. The right. grandmother is the one on the fourth floor or whatever, where she's not allowed to go. Oh, God. Where she's writing furiously into her little diary about all the erotic ghost sex she's been having. I looked him up, too, because I thought maybe he was familiar, but I think it's just that he kind of sounds like Brent Spiner when he's being Sherlock Holmes. Funny. Which is funny, because that guy is actually British. Hmm. Uh, Well, as we know, Brent Spiner is a longtime fan of the show, so I'm sure he'll be touched that you felt that his uh, accent was uh, on par with an actual English person. (laughs) Was that guy an English person? Do we know? Yeah, the, the, okay. I looked him up. I didn't. He was. This is his only appearance in Star Trek. I've never seen anything else he was in, but he is actually British. Okay, shocking. He was in Oi Govna, the series. <laughs> Here's my favorite note that I took today. If something happens, it's safe to blame Paris. We'll always blame Paris. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fuck, I don't think I'd work for this week, but keep that in your back pocket. I'm sure that'll be an episode <laughs> title someday. Yay. Like, if only this episode had been with the murder one, it would have been perfect. Oh, yeah. The murder one was bad, though. True. It was bad. But still, as a title, it would have been amazing. <laughs> I also oh. called it the moment they said, let's give various controls over to the EMH. I'm like, yeah, but you can turn the EMH off. That's exactly That's what I said. That's not useful at all. And then they do it, like, three scenes later. I'm like, called it. Fuck you. I could write this show. Still, it gives him an idea that will come to fruition someday. Poor shit. Aw. Uh, Just as a side note, Ames, you could definitely write this show. <laughs> I was getting, um, remember um, Dramatis Personae, the one where everyone was a different personality in DS9 and Dax was sleepy and Cisco made a clock? Oh, yes, 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 yes. 
I was getting those kinds of vibes off of the everyone doesn't trust each other for the second act of the episode. Mm. Um, Because that was actually kind of interesting because, you know, if you can't trust anyone, what the fuck do you do? Because anyone could be taken over at any time. Yeah. That was a good time. And I was also really hoping during that scene on the bridge when Tuvok stuns everybody that it was going to turn up to be like a Reservoir Dogs thing where everyone's pointing a phaser at somebody (laughs) else and they all shoot at once and kill everyone. Now, this is interesting, right? So now we know that the phasers apparently have a mode that you can just shoot it and it knocks everybody out in the room. Why don't we use that that mode all the time? Because like, you know, usually when you're shooting phasers, you're stunning people. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not monsters. Shoot them all. And then, you know, figure out who the good guys are, figure out who the bad guys are, handcuff the bad guys. Well, I think this is one of those rare cases where there wasn't any cover for anyone to duck behind. Mm. So that's why you could do that. Because they've mentioned wide, you know, wide beam before, but this is one of the few, if not the first time we've seen it. But yeah, presumably in your normal firefight, people can just duck behind shit. But this really, there's nowhere for anyone to duck, which is why it worked. Yeah, well, I mean, it also just seems like if you're using the narrow beam mode, you have to aim. You have to aim carefully. Mm. If, you're, if you're in wide beam mode, just wait until they come out from behind their cover and fire, and you'll get them. Yeah, it's and like when to... you play a video game and you have a character that auto-aims, and thank God. <laughs> yeah, here we go. It uses more energy. Yes. Yeah, like maybe you can only use it once, and then it has to recharge for a long time, and so if you... Or would be better off using or it'll overheat shots. faster. Or yeah, some some lame technical excuse. I felt so bad for Harry when both Tuvok and Janeway were like, "Stun the other one," and Harry's like, "Mommy and Daddy are fighting." <laughs> Literally, exactly what I said. <laughs> Poor Harry, he's so innocent. He it's really just is. Like, oh, you can't put this much, 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 um. Pressure? Effort on this, you poor thing. It's I, I think I said this in our first episode, but Jesus Christ, he is so young. Like, when I last watched this as a fucking basically child, you know, I was at that time of life where just adults are just this mass, you know? It's like, there's children, teenagers, adults, and old people. Uh, and now that I am pushing 40, you know, I, I understand nuance. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, he's a baby. Oh, he's not ready for any of this. Oh, the universe is going to be so cruel to him. And it really is. Yes, yeah. I say, since it's taking a break from punching O'Brien, yes. Yeah. Uh, the presence of Harry Kim in this universe at the same time as O'Brien is probably the only thing that's kept O'Brien alive. Yeah. <laughs> and occasionally it's like, hey, you want to fuck with O'Brien? Eh, let's fuck with that Kim guy today. Okay. Yeah, I'll, yep. I'll also say that I was, when they bring back the fucking wheel at the end, I'm like, oh god, you're bringing the wheel back as their central MacGuffin. Oh, you're using it in an actually, like, appropriate way where yeah, that was a relief. spirit, like, showed them a map using it instead of, like, making it a metaphor about coyotes or something. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, you, you pulled it off. I, I accept this for this episode. Great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a similar, it's like, oh no, what are they doing with this? It's like, oh, all right. That works. Yeah, good for Chakotay. And then we techno-babble away how we put his brain back in his brain. Uh, brain, brain, what's brain? 
lot of lube, and uh, right up the tuchus. That's a long distance from the brain. <laughs> no, that's but, where his is always at, is <clears throat> in his butt, maybe. Maybe. I'm well, just, it's, it's like kidding. it's I, like the butt aspiration. Okay. It actually gets into the blood bloodstream quicker that way. And <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> from a couple of weeks ago. Respiration. Did you say aspiration? I, you know what? I did. But respiration. That wasn't even on purpose. Is the worst part. <laughs> Speaking of the worst part, looking at Vidians. Oh, Vidians. Let's yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about faces. Oh my goodness, the Vidians are back, and they're grosser than ever. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, Vidians. I hate looking at them. And I know calling, that's the point. They're so but. fucked up. And calling them faces is kind of a stretch. They're more hey. like open scabs. Well, let's talk about. Okay, we got a lot of faces going on in faces. Most of them are me going, uh. Yeah. All right, so the Vidians are here. They've captured Torres, Paris, and our newest best friend, Durst. Oh, Nothing no, bad not can Durst. happen to Durst. <laughs> I can't wait watching more of his adventures over the next several years. <laughs> uh, so we've got them. They're going to dig us some tunnels and be a nice pile of organs when we need them. Wink. <laughs> now, their scientist weirdo, Sulan, is the weirdest fucking guy, guys. Mm. Uh, he has managed to excise all the Klingon genes out of Torres and make a 100% Klingon out of her. Because he wants to see if Klingon DNA will help them with their phage problem. Which, honestly, there's probably some decent science ideas there. But the way he's doing it is fucking wrong, you monster. Yeah. Now, uh, what did they do with all the human DNA? No one is asking. <laughs> well, evidently they have enough material lying around that they didn't shove in their own faces to make a whole additional 100% human Torres. It's everything Bellata has ever wanted. A nice, smooth forehead. She can buy hats. Dude, she can always they, wear hats. They were able to make Troy look exactly like a fucking Romulan. Are you telling me he can't? she can't plastic surgery her way into a smooth forehead if she really wants? I think that would be like a kind of guilt thing, though. I also think yeah. it's the symbolism of the forehead. It's, it, I know. The forehead it's symbolizes an element of her personality she doesn't Let's like. Let Ames finish. We'll have yeah, this yeah. discussion later. Oh, boy. yeah. The, the discussions in this episode are excellent, so I'm really looking forward. So... Uh, Klingon Torres tries hitting on Sulan a little bit as an escape tactic, and Sulan's got whatever passes for a boner for his people. Because I don't know what they've Ugh. got, because they're falling a fucking part. Couldn't look any worse than the rest of them, she said, so hopefully. He, so he decides, well, I'm just going to get myself all dolled up for Bellana. I wonder what kind of what kind of uh, look she's into. Um, probably something like this. And he kills Ugh. Durst and wears his face. <laughs> Like a fucking horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Durst, Why we hardly you? knew ye. Okay, sorry. I Sorry, we're just trying to get through the summary. Caitlin, shut up. Sorry. <laughs> we're good. We're almost there. We're almost at the disgu most disgusting parts. Uh, so Cleon Torres attacks the fuck out of him because that's disgusting, Sulan. And she escapes. She goes and rescues hu human Torres, who is not holding her own at fucking all. <clears throat> Uh, they have a very interesting heart-to-heart -heart about their two-sides nature now being two one-side natures. Uh, back on Voyager, Chakotay gets, him, gets himself all dolled up, not in a Durst face, thank God, um, but as a Vidian, so he can go infiltrate these tunnels and rescue some people. So that's what he does. He goes down there and re he rescues all the people. Um, but Klingon Torres, whoopsie, got herself shot a little and she dies. Wow. 
because we only need one one Taurus by the end of the episode, basically. Uh, human Taurus is getting sicker and sicker, uh, so EMH crams the Klingon back into her body, plomeek soup all around the end. <laughs> yeah. That's this no. week's title, cramming it back in. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank you, please no. So here's the thing. I was trying to th- I was trying to figure out how human uh human Bellana's g- genes were working because this doesn't make any sense to me, Jake. Yeah, this episode is just magic. Well, okay, so here so hear me out. Okay. I not, so, I don't I don't think I can hear you out, but I'll let Chris and Caitlin try. Okay. So Torres <laughs> has a father who is fully human mm-hmm. and a mother who is fully Klingon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? So all of her Klingon DNA comes from her mother, and all of her human DNA comes from her father. So if you make, if you take all of her human DNA and create a person, and then you create, take all of her Klingon DNA and create a person, wouldn't those two people be clones of her father and her mother? Because a child is the mixing of the no. genes. And no. then if you separate those out, no, he's got a point. You have only the father's DNA and only the mother's DNA. See, none of this sounds but, right, but I don't know enough about DNA. No, that's got to be wrong because the way biology works, what about like recessive genes and non-recessive genes and all that shit? True. But there's that, but the, the the thing is it's the you, that happens because you're mixing two of the same genes and and some of them are recessive some but in this case there's no mixing. It's all dad and all mom. So that's I mean, just a clone at that. At point. the very least, at the very least, they shouldn't have both been played by Roxanne Dawson. They should have each been played by a different actress. Well, also, oh, I, feel, I feel like I feel like human Bellana should have been biologically male. Like, right? Because, that's where I thought you were going with it. That I mean, is, well, yes, that was, that's where I started. I guess from, that but makes then I'm sense. Like, not only not only should she be biologically male, but she should probably also just be a clone of her father. Yeah. Here's my guy... other question, though. Between humans and Klingons, there also must be DNA that overlaps. No, there since must we're all be some. From there the must same... be same. Hmm. Since we're all seeded by that alien race. Yeah. Fucking the chase. But no, there's got to be a lot that's in common. Yeah. So if they're saying. The Klingon stuff is just the stuff that's not in common, right? This that, is, is that this what is they're too, saying? I don't know I, what I'm saying. God like, damn this episode. The, that's the real problem here is like, because this got me thinking about other shit. Like, well. Oh, no, that's your first problem. Occurs to me is like, you know, we talk about how, you know, Klingon, a pure Klingon is going to have all these redundancies. Yeah, she should have so many organs. Well, that's the thing, but she's also part human. So is it like, is it just kind of a crapshoot? It's like she's got one heart, but four kidneys. Uh you know, like, does she have, like, what's her ribcage like? Because, I mean, I don't know if this has ever made canon, but I know I've seen drawings and, like, the Klingon ribcage is almost a mesh as opposed to ours, which is, like, the oh, cage. Ribs, yeah. Um, like, yeah, they've got, like, sort of, like, ribs and then the ribs interconnect in other ways. So, like, they... Like, cross-hatched ribs. Yeah, like, oh, their, their wow, ribcage like is a lot all. stronger in theory. And it's just, like, I was... Yeah, yeah, and I, like then you look back and again this isn't necessarily I don't think this was ever made canon but it was understood at least back in the day that the only reason Spock was able to be born was due to a lot of scientific intervention that's not we don't learn that until 2009 though right 
No, this is actually something Roddenberry talked about in an interview once. Oh, Way weird. back in the 70s or 60s. Why was this never in the show? That would have been a really cool episode. I, who knows? But then the show we got cancelled, probably. Well, yeah. And plus, we look at Spock, though, and it just seems like, physiologically, he's basically completely Vulcan, because his heart's in the wrong place. Yeah, his blood bones. is green. His yeah, blood should be like a cross know, between just, red yeah, and but green. That, that goes back to what, what Caitlin was saying about, like, dominant and recessive genes, that, like, maybe, <coughs> in, in Vulcan's case, maybe the genes are you know, for hearts and things like that are the the Vulcan genes are dominant. The Vulcan traits are dominant. So the, the human traits get mostly washed out. Maybe with humans and Klingons, it's the opposite. So you get more human features than like, Klingon features. Yeah, she's definitely more. Forehead. That thing is like once you got to the later series, like she's more sort of a mix of things like. You know, you've had other people that are sort of a blend of species and no one is particularly dominant it's you know weird yeah genetics see the thing is weird hmm? the genetics is weird genetics yeah. is weird this episode if you if you kind of ignore the genetics and just enjoy this as the, the a way to explore the balana character actually does a lot of interesting stuff because i was expecting what's the what's the double kirk episode that's what i was comparing it to what's um, it fucking uh, called enemy, enemy within, within. I was expecting an enemy within, and it is not enemy within. So, it, like, I it, this is the week I give the episodes a lot of credit for doing things that are different and new and interesting. Because the thing I wanted to bring up is that the uh, the writer of this episode, Kenneth Biller, what he was most interested when he's handed this this idea for the script was likening it to the struggle to understand biracial identity because he had biracial identity in his family. Oh, good. And. He wanted he wanted to like find a way to explore that, and that's very very much on display. This episode is used in a lot of like university classes to talk about race. I was I was actually kind of hope because when I watched, I was like, wow, I really hope like the person writing this like actually had some experience with this because it is very obvious what they're going for. Yeah, and it's obvious, but it's also it's done really well. I, yeah. I give um, Roxanne Dawson a lot of credit because she does a great job with it. Mm-hmm. She plays two different fucking characters that are both the same character and not, like, damn. Like, she said, when she got this script, like, she said, oh, fuck. What the fuck is this? Uh, I don't know this character well enough yet, because, you know, it's season yeah, one. Yeah, it's really early. I don't know this character well enough yet to be doing this kind of exploration yet. That's true. But at the end of it, like, when she's gotten this chance to do this exploration, she walks out of it saying, wow, I learned a lot about Balana, and it's really good, and it's going to be really helpful moving forward. That's nice. I do appreciate that, uh, you know, she clearly sat down and really watched some other Klingon episodes to determine how to talk as Klingon Balana. No, is it mostly the teeth? I think it's mostly the teeth. To an extent, it's definitely, we talked about that, like, the teeth is part of it, but there's a... There's definitely, like, a pace and a cadence that, like, when she's talking at a normal pace, because at first she's talking really strainedly. But I was like, it's, it's almost like she's kind of doing a Dura Sisters impression in some ways. Okay, mm. that's good. Yeah, there there was a lot of that. I Something I thought was, you know, interesting. It, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this kind of takes me out of it, but at the same time I understand why they did it this way. And it goes back to what you're saying about using this as a lens to talk about... Uh, you know, uh, race and, and, and issues like that. But the fact that Klingon Bolana, not only does she have all of like the Klingon 
traits like aggression and and you know she doesn't seem she seems to have lost her engineering ability like that i like, was really like, hoping she wouldn't like the smarts are the human side i guess but whatever um but that she also that klingon Bilana is also suddenly really into like honor and shit like that and 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 yeah, these just, should have been things that are learned behaviors, not yeah, things a, that are... Yeah, it's a nature-nurture thing, yeah. right? Like, is she... So are we to understand that this whole Klingon notion of honor and, and that is is like a a, a, a biological feature and well, not I just a cultural think, thing? I think... You see, some of this doesn't... Certain aspects of this just... You can't think about them scientifically or it falls apart. Of like, course. Because, like... They both have the same experiences and memories and things that should have shaped their personalities regardless, but presumably had been raised mostly by her mother, who was completely Klingon. She likely at least learned about the culture, and ultimately it's something that, again, in her attempts to want to fit in or whatever, stuff she probably pushed away, ignored, whatever, but she knows it all, and then it's when she gets split into her component parts that the part of her that is pure Klingon is like, no, I am into this shit, actually. Yeah, it's like she mm. can't help it. Yeah. Like, she's always, like, presumably Blonde already knows all of it. But again, it's something she has tried to suppress in herself. See, I was more offended, not offended, but I was more, like, taken out of it when human Balana is suddenly a coward. And, like, that's... I mean, humans aren't all necessarily cowards. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said, that, that's where it feels the most like the enemy within, because there was, yeah, like, a little good bit. Kirk was a wimp, evil Kirk was aggressive. And rapey. Ugh, yes. Uh, I started wondering at the end if it would have been, because I know, like, uh, Biller said, it would have been more interesting if at the end, uh, instead of putting the Klingon back into human Balana, if she just stayed as she was and, what went, and had some lasting effects, because, you know... Voyager tends not to have a ton of lasting effects because it's still an episodic show. Yeah. And I wondered if it would have been more interesting if it were the inverse. If human Bolana got killed saving everybody because she's trying to prove that she can do shit like Klingon Bolana can do. If she got killed and then for the rest of the show we have Klingon Torres on the mm. ship really learning what it means to be Klingon. A thing about her that she hated about herself for her whole life. And also, it would mean, like, because, you know, if we were left with a human at the end, then we just have another human on the show, yeah. when the most interesting thing about Star Trek is the is the play between the aliens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that would have been an interesting thing, too, to have human Bellana sacrifice herself, and that really would have been somewhat, you know, that really would have been unexpected and interesting. I don't mm -hmm. know, see, just knowing Voyager... They loved the reset button at the end of the episode, so I don't think they would have Except ever for Durst. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, minor characters notwithstanding. <laughs> um, I don't think, like, they'll, you know, they'll, like, kill off a character and have them back to life in the same episode, right? You know, so it's, it's, it's not... Like Chakotay, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't see that happening, but I could, I would be, it would have been interesting, I think, to know... Like it, it's so telegraphed from the start that it's like, oh, human Balana is the Balana that we're meant to to like more, right? She's oh, she's, really? she's the Balana she's that's the Balana that's God more like the Balana that we know from the show. Other than she's not as as 
you know, she doesn't have as big a chip on her shoulder. But we identify, I think, more with human Balana because, well, she's human. Uh, her struggle it, was cool. Her, her struggle was cool. Yeah, I think her, I'm finally to, free, of, uh, free of that shit, but I miss it now. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting if if human Balana had been killed. But I still think they would have... I still reset think have ridges before the end? Reset it. But it would, I think, I don't know, maybe there's just a, maybe I just want a different episode, an episode where, you know, one of the Balanas is killed in the second act, and then we have a whole half of a show left to talk about Klingon Balana trying to be a person on the ship and not, not doing well with it, or... I'm sure no matter what, though, Dawson would have been like, look... Just, I'm not doing the full Klingon makeup for the next six years, so... Oh, no. Either I'm hybrid or human. Pick one. All it did to me, for me, was make it more apparent how shitty her, like, half Klingon makeup is. Having her in full Klingon kit. I'm, like, I really find that her forehead is, like, distractingly cheap-looking, and it just really takes me out of it every time. Like I said, they do, they change it eventually. It gets a little and the better. hair too. The hair, the hair looks better. Yeah, once they tweak it a bit, it's less distracting. Well, I mean, there's at- so many bad wigs in this particular show that that doesn't take me out of it as much. But yeah, the 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 headpiece, I'm like, ooh. Oh, I mean, think back to like season one, Worf. His forehead was awful. <laughs> oh god, it was oh, terrible. But that was also, you know, ten years ago, or no, more than that, right? Less. Because like- this is the mid '90s. That was '89. Yeah, that was seven years ago. Oh, right. Deep Space Nine ended in 99. It didn't start in 99. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking um, incorrectly. Well, either way, they figured it out for Worf. They could have figured it out for her. They've already learned all the tricks they needed. Well, they just want they wanted to go for, you know, something that was more human-like, I think, you know. Right, because I, she's half and all that. No, no, I know. I just feel like it looks shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other thing, I wonder a little bit about this episode, because, you know... Splitting her in two and then having doing the split screen effect, sure, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But I also wonder a little if it would have been more interesting if it were just one person, if they literally just made Bolana all Klingon. Yeah, but then they couldn't have had the conversation. Yeah, then it's a then it's a fully yeah, different episode. That's a different episode. Yeah. <clears throat> wanna uh, hear the original? The original idea? Yeah. Ooh, let me guess, because sometimes this is insane. Uh okay, Tom Paris. <laughs> is split into Tom Paris and Nick Lacarno. <laughs> oh no, my god, I wish. He's split into Tom and Paris, a city. He becomes <laughs> a human embodiment of a, an entire city. His head's the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Woof. That's what no, it the, is. The original idea was was still did have some, some more stuff in common with the actual episode that we get, in that they were still going to split Torres in two, but it was going to be just some <laughs> random aliens who are experimenting on how to achieve purity in a species. Ugh. I thought you were going to say they were still going to split her in half, but they were going to do it right at the waist. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to use the, the magic box from a magic show. They're going to split her in two, but each one was going to be half the size of the regular Balana. So they're actually going to be played by children. They have really high-pitched voices and run around and shit. It's going to be great. So... Did it strike anybody else that Klingon Torres seems to be the only character that was upset about Durst 
Like nobody else seemed to notice <laughs> or give a shit. Well, it's because they also had only noticed him for the first time last week. That's true. Like e- even e- like you'd think that once Chakotay showed up and saw that Durst's face had been grafted onto somebody else, he'd be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> Durst, no!" But no, it's just like four to beam up. We're well, out of here. Well, because by that point, like both Tom, like Tom had already assumed he was dead. And he told Chakotay, pretty sure he's dead. So he's like, oh, that sucks. Admittedly, yes. Then actually seeing his face on somebody should have maybe yeah. gotten My My joke reaction. at the end was uh, three humans, one Klingon, and one human face to beam up. <laughs> Just they have something to put in the torpedo tube. Oh, uh, that's sad. I guess they can't really waste torpedoes, so just shoot the face out in an airlock <laughs> in a box. I just don't get how Dr. Fuckenstein thought that, like, taking someone's friend's face off and putting it onto his own face was going to be, like, a good move for romantic overtures. Have you met the Vidians? They are inhuman monsters. I mean, well, I know so- that, but, like, he literally killed his someone's friend and then tried to court them. And That's that was crazy. the first, his first th- thing he tried. Yeah. It wasn't, like, bring yeah, her flowers maybe buy first. Her some flowers. But here's Jesus the thing, though. Here's Christ. the thing, though. So, so Blana had already propositioned him at that point. Like, sure. Had, yeah, maybe right? she's like, into the moist like, you know, scab I'll show look. you my my you know my Klingon ways so I'm like maybe here's here's what I imagine he's like oh yeah I totally want to do this but my penis is literally disintegrated it's there's nothing there so I'm gonna go get me a human penis graft it on and while I'm there I'll get the face too why not while you're under get the facelift while you're under yeah or he learns that um because she's a Klingon she's gonna want Two dicks, right? That's there's that's also possibility. Yeah. I these fucking bastards. God, I hate them. Good like, that you're you're meant to. No, I know, but Jesus, like, well, because their first appearance, the show tried to, to pretend maybe they're sympathetic if yeah. you squint and tilt your head really hard. Well, fuck, Janeway was certainly torn up about it. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing sympathetic. This no. is fucking gross. And this time, it's like, okay, okay, you couldn't have just extracted the DNA, dumped the human shit, and just built yourself a Klingon. You had to split this woman in half and with your stupid magic medicine and, ugh. I know, he makes a comment when when Klingon uh, Torres first wakes up, like, Man, I probably shouldn't have left you with the memories and consciousness, should I? Oh, well, you're here now. It's like, no, you probably shouldn't have. That'd be, like, it'd still be horrifying, but. Yeah. Oh. Because that's the other thing. So, like, so did they, so they must, so does original Balana's body exist anywhere? Or did that just get destroyed in this? Damn. Because here's yeah. the thing. If they if they like like either both Balanas should be half the size of original Balana, or what they I said. Add, they had to add additional material, or they just created two new creatures, one with only human and then one with only Klingon. In DNA. which case, you'd think they'd be doing that to themselves a lot, if only to get more organs. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they are, and that's not, that's just not something we get to see. So they must have, yeah, they must have like body replicating technology somehow, because, like you say, either you know the Balanas are both equal size to the original Balana. So yeah, well, again, it's like their their medicine is basically fucking sorcery, 
The one thing it can't do is cure their stupid disease. Yeah. It it's yeah. finally has time to read those books, and what does he do? Breaks his glasses. That's right, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> so, is there a possibility that on this planet, in some sort of a tank somewhere, is just the corpse of Bellana Torres? Nope, they've used those organs already. Yeah, gross. So is Bellana dead? Did they kill her? Is are is the new oh Bellana boy oh oh now we're person? getting to some questions. I don't know. I kind of want to look up because I know there's also you know this is this isn't the first time they've done this because there's a short story somewhere in which Spock is split into a full human and a full Vulcan. Huh. Whoa. Thing and is, I wonder I what they the did. Hum- I think the human would have nothing <laughs> like. Because so much of Spock's identity is tied up in being Vulcan. The yeah. human would just be nothing but an emotional wreck. Because it's like, I get all the emotions all the time now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Because, yeah, like, Spock is pretty indistinguishable from a full Vulcan. No, you know what? You know what a full human Spock does? Goes straight to Nurse Chapel's quarters. Yeah, I was gonna hey. say. <laughs> knocks on the door. He's got like a fucking crate of condoms, and it's like, let's go. Condoms that need room for the little ears. No, no, this is fully human, so we're good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no more little ears. Mm-hmm. Maybe she won't be into it if it isn't for the ears. Yeah, she does like the ears. Rats. <laughs> uh, very briefly. No full hu- No full. Human Spock goes straight to Captain Kirk's quarters. Uh, McCoy's? McCoy's. No, that's still Vulcan. Oh. Mm. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, yeah. that's a good full point. Vulcan, full Vulcan Spock is just having a massive orgy in sickbay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very briefly, because I know we got to kind of wrap to move on to our activity. Our activity. We've got our first non-Neelix Talaxian. Oh, boy. Yeah. And he's even more annoying than Neelix. And oh boy, terrifying looking. <laughs> like wow, uh, more Talaxians need wider heads because that makeup on a thin face is oh just, you know, like it works. It works more on Ethan Phillips, who's got a wider face. On that thin think- fella, he just looks like a fucking wet rat. Okay, but is that really true, or is it just because we're used to seeing Neelix? No, it's because that guy looks like a wet rat. Like he is just, just like he looks wrong. So how come Voyager didn't rescue the other prisoners? Kind of That's that. my question. Because yeah. they you know, completed like, they, their quest and they don't need to do anything else. Like if they pulled out of that planet, you know, they 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 left rubber, they peeled out, and then Neelix is like, "Wow, Balana, I'm so glad you know you're back to your your old self. How you know? I'm sorry you had to go through that." And she's like, "Oh yeah. Oh by the way, there was another Talaxian there that we met." And I just picture Neelix's face just being like, "What?" Well, even weirder, was like, like, where is he? Did we rescue him? I hope we. Re- no. Oh, he's still there. He's getting his organs harvested right now. I like. I was expecting him to maybe go after them. Like, hey, can I come too? Yeah, no kidding. But because he was right there, he totally would have heard Chakotay say hi, Tom. And there was another human-looking thing walking around at one point. I thought because this was after yeah. not Geiger. Goddamn it, Durst got killed. Yeah, just straight up looked human, like. Unless we're supposed to assume on his way in and out, Chakotay just murdered everyone so they're free to go about their lives. Yeah, they've totally just got their people and fucking ditched. 
I love the bit where uh, Chakotay, you know, when he first sort of shows up and the guy's like, who are you? I don't recognize you. And he's like, uh, the new face. And the guy's just like, oh, so that's just like a regular occurrence uh, with these people. It's just like, yeah. yeah, sometimes somebody that you've known for years just has a new face. Yeah, yeah it's me. It's me. It's Fred. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's looking good. Yeah, but did, he didn't have like a nice new dirty face. He still had a gross scraped up open wound face here's the secret they don't that's want you the to tell. new face when they don't have a good face to graft on they, they just use scrotum skin oh i was gonna ask if they were use the butthole because it's got a mouth built in but you're right scrotum <laughs> skin works too oh dear sorry well let's wash the taste out of our mouths with this week's thing yeah we got a new blog activity this week we covered already for a couple different show activities we did show, uh, title cards before we did the theme songs last week this week we're going to look at the whole opening title sequences of which the there whole. are many versions so we may make might make a couple calls on the fly so that we don't have to talk about every single one of them because that would just be inhuman now since we already talked about the songs are we just evaluating these on the visual the graphics up to because you guys. I feel like it's a little unfair to say Enterprise because we already shat on it due to its song. Oh, we can shit on it more. We we can, but but what if I actually really like the the visuals of it and it would be way better with a different song? That's I then, mean that that can be the discussion. Then say that. I might say that. You well, should. Let's see. All right, I'm going to start with uh season 1 of TOS. It's because I don't know if it's worth watching both season, season one and two and season three, because the only thing that's really different is the song. And the color of the text. And, yeah, I think we can, we, little, can, we can fill that color. in yeah. mentally. All right. I think starring might be overing the pudding a little. <laughs> <laughs> ba, 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 ba. They All only right. mention Shatner and Spock yeah, in I, season one. Yeah, it's yeah, only Shatner and later, Spock. Wow. Yeah, later they add DeForest Kelly to the opening. Wow. Yeah, and then still, that's it. Yeah, everyone else is end credits only. Wow, damn. Yeah, it's also, rest. it's very short. Like, it's, it's um, I think it's either the shortest or among the shortest of the, the sequences. Mm. Because well, that's good, because there's they don't nothing happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, this there's is also the CG version. Yeah, I was going to say that. Oh, this is the The, the remaster. That's a good point. Yeah, so we got the remastered version. It's literally the ship forms by... And according to, God, I forget, because I know on Memory Alpha they said whose idea this was to do it this way. But instead of just, you know, ship forms by with name, it's the ship forms by as if it's delivering the name. Which I think is a bit of a stretch. I never got that. No. So, they fucked up. Anything else that we want to say about the TOS uh, sequence? Uh, you know, the, the, the title song is certainly iconic. But the opening is nothing special, let's be Quite honest. forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. It was the 60s. I, I yeah. couldn't imagine them doing much more. So it kind of gets a pass because of that a little bit. Like, just to compare it to a contemporary, it was often compared to Lost in Spaces was probably better. Hmm. Oof. All right, I'm going to play the TAS theme for you guys. Oh, no. Opening sequence. The love boat. <laughs> Seriously. 
Damn, and still James giving, Doohan as everyone else. Still giving the shaft to literally everyone else, huh? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So the thing that I kind of want to shit on the animated series opening sequence is that it's this is an animated show. Yeah. It should be like an animated sequence, but nope. like the whole fucking show, they barely animate anything. Yeah, I was say, so calling that an fair, animated show is is a stretch. Yeah. See, I was actually going to say the opposite and say that wow, the animation sure was better on that than any other part of the show. Yeah. At least I mean, that moved. could be true. Sparse, and- sparse though it was, at least it like the colors were right and it was pretty smooth and the lines were nice and it wasn't a blurry pile of shit. I don't know. Whenever there's that scene where the Enterprise is supposed to be going away, but mm. instead it just goes across the screen yeah, yeah, and it gets sure just does. the tiniest bit smaller, but the angle is all is still it's literally Wrong. just they dragged the, the Enterprise facing away across yep. the screen and it looks distractingly wrong. It yeah. is bad. Well, that's how that whole, I mean, that's that whole Funimation thing, right? Is that it's just yeah, one, the, one picture repeated, you know, and, and changed slightly. American animation was really in like a dark ages from like the like early 60s to like mid 80s. In that uh, History animation. Channel documentary, you know, they talk about how they save so much money by just animating the running animation once. Yep, and reusing it ad nauseum. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys haven't been watching The Center Seat, which is a documentary series on Star Trek on the History Channel, uh, narrated by Gates. Thanks, Gates. Bill Gates, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, they, they do a whole episode on the animated series, and they talk about how, oh yeah, they saved a lot of money by doing the running in silhouette and using the, using the same shot of the ship in every single episode 15 times and they show literally all the uses of that one scene of the of the enterprise just going by this way back to back to back to back to back and it's like yeah they used it a lot and it's the same every time yeah i mean like you know when the when the sh- when the series did it cuz you saw the enterprise model go by and it was, you know, you like you could. It was funny because in the unremastered version, you could even tell like times they had reused footage from the pilot because the nacelles were different. <laughs> hmm. But with that, you're like, I get it. It's it's the '60s. It's live action. They didn't have a ton of money. With this again, it's like it's animated. In theory, you have more flexibility, and yet somehow they had less. Like, yeah. Because think, because they had to keep the it money as cheap they save not hiring Walter. Yeah, <laughs> look, ham isn't cheap. A good ham. Yeah, like Kirk. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry, not only not hiring Walter, but also not hiring any other actors. Just making doing doing, doing yeah. all of it for free. Yeah, presumably and Majel. Yeah, yeah. No, and Majel, you're right. And sometimes uh, Michelle. On occasion. Yeah, I'm going to keep us moving forward. So, yeah, we're going to watch the TNG opening sequence. Yeah, now what's interesting there is that, so we do get all of the names Mm -hmm. of the cast, but only, so it's Stuart and Frakes up front, and then everybody else is alphabetical by last name. Hmm. That doesn't surprise me. Probably just in their contract. Yeah, Yeah. they have to be listed first. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like how it starts off with some planets, which is kind of fun. But then the rest is literally just the ship, then some names, and the ship, then some names. And granted, the ship looks good. The ship does look really good. Um, yeah, especially in the HD remaster, it looks really great. Yeah. But now, yeah, it's, do... it is almost as simple as the TOS. Um, yeah, pretty much. After, the, after we see some planets. Yeah, and I think Jake was saying it changes, like, because in this, it was the solar, our solar system. Later, isn't it just sort of generic fake planets or something? Yeah, it's just know? they changed out the, what, and I feel like the quality of the animation's a little better for, for the later seasons, but. Maybe. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just they change what planets that we see up front. Oh, yeah. Sad. I didn't notice that. I tried to. I tried to get all the variations. I don't know if we'll watch all the variations, but that one I didn't even realize there was a, a variation. Yeah, it's not huge. It's just it goes from being the solar system to made up space. Oh well, that's fine. I'll, maybe I'll look at that on my own time, but we'll we'll see. Okay, so for DS Nine, there are three different variations. Three. I'm not going to bother showing you the first one because the first one is only for emissary. Oh, and right, where they have it around Bajor. Yeah, and the only difference... You don't even see Bajor. Oh. You just... It's literally just the station. It's just shots and shots and shots and shots and all shots of the station. Uh, the second variation, which which happens the next episode... God damn it. Ugh. The, which starts uh, with the next episode is the one we're going to watch right now. And then I think we will watch the other one because the other one is different enough. Yeah. That I do think it's worth watching. But here's seasons one through three. Good shuttle pod action. Sadly, not high res. Yeah. Well, I think there's some fan-made 4K version of this. Really? It doesn't look as nice, though. I mean, it looks nice, nicer in some ways, but not as nice in others. Yeah, I think the only difference between Emissary and this one is the wormhole. You can yeah, see the wormhole at the end. It doesn't open up at the end, yeah. Yeah. Should we jump right in the other one and then discuss, or? Uh, no, I want to do. I do want to say something about this one okay. uh, before we watch the other one, and that's that I have. I have to be the 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 critical asshole because I find this one so boring. It's an interesting, you know, sort of conundrum they found themselves in because up until this point, openings had always just been ship fly through space names. Now yeah. there's like, oh fuck, this can't fly through space. C- can we just follow a runabout? No, it's not the star vehicle. Uh, fuck. So they yeah. had to... It's literally just panning around and around and around Deep Space Nine until you're nauseous. Mm. The only things that happen is there's a little comet at the, t- at the top, which is nice. Yep. And a shuttle pod goes by twice. Yep. And then at the end, the wormhole goes kaboo. I know. And because I know we talked about themes last week, but I find this one, like, it's kind of like a lullaby. Like, it's so quiet and soothing and mm. it just makes me want to fall asleep because this op- this opening sequence is so dull <laughs> yeah i feel like if it i don't know maybe they should have just gone shorter with it just made it they have to do all the names though yeah they could have done the names quicker i feel like <laughs> they just they linger there's, i bet you there's a union rule or something where it has to be so long and certain people have different contracts where my name can only be on the screen by itself kind of things yeah, but also like maybe they could have the space between the names be a little shorter or something. But yeah, it's, yeah, that's nice true. Model. This is, I think, this is the longest opening title sequence of all of all of them, including the new ones. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, because these are a full minute 53. Wow. And oh, the wow. others are usually about a minute and a half. Or thereabouts. Some of them even shorter. Lower Decks is shorter. Uh, I'm going to play the the seasons four through seven one because the song is different and there is a whole, there's a lot of like additional stuff that they do that's not yeah. just panning around the station. We're going to listen to that right, right now. Yeah, so I think right away to Jake's point from earlier, like, I know I had said I preferred the first go at the theme, but this is definitely the better opening because it's more dynamic. Yeah, they full. actually have active stuff. Yeah, you know, you get the idea that, yeah, this is a busy-ish, spa- super busy space station. Things are going like, to happen here. There's repairs yeah, there's being done, there's on. different ships coming and going, there's three runabouts in the opening now. Yeah, triple your fun. Because yeah. it's otherwise, otherwise it's literally the same opening sequence. Yep. But on top of, or, you know, within the, the shots of the station... There's stuff happening. There, it makes you feel like like a show instead of just a model that they're showcasing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing how much more that adds. I wonder what like what else they could have done. Like, I wonder if like just like tooling the camera around ops or around quarks would have been interesting. Should have opened it like Cheers, where every yes. character got like a random shot, but they're all at like Quark's bar. Oh my god, could you the fucking fan revolt they would have Dude, had? Dude, I yeah. want, I want now, I want a Deep Space Nine opening to the theme of Cheers. Someone has surely done that. Well, if they fucking haven't, they've failed me. Go find it. You'll find and it. That the change will you be, see in the world. And that will be my favorite fucking theme. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yep. All right, let's watch the Voyager theme. I know Jake loves this song, so here it is. No, yeah, no, this is probably the best one so far. Yeah. Just because it's like, it's not just the ship flying past and here's a name. It's like the ship actually kind of, you know, tooling around through space. Seeing the sights. Cloud, the sights are all great. Some possibly small planet. Yep, yep. There's this also, one. Also, I think, you know, the first time they could do more stuff with CG. Yeah. Uh, it holds up, I think. And it looks pretty, pretty good. Well. Yeah. It looks yeah. good. Yeah, I gotta say, the Voyager CG, for its time, it isn't bad. Yeah, no. Especially when you look at some of the shit they were slapping together for Deep Space Nine at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's one little detail I love, and that's that when we're, we see that planet with the rings, and as the camera, or, you know, whatever they're doing with graphics, pans up, you get this tiny sprinkling effect as you go through the rings. I just yeah. love that. That tiny detail is, like, my favorite thing. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely, like, it's a more dynamic take on the, you know, TOS, TNG formula. We, we've talked about that impossibly small planet before, I think, right? We've bit, mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will think, I think we should try to find that video and actually post it this week where someone tries to extrapolate its actual size based on what we can see. It's a golf ball. <laughs> All right, everyone's favorite. We're going to watch the Enterprise opening theme. Um, now, now, since seasons one and two and three and four, the the images are all the same. Mm-hmm. Do we know which which song we want to listen to? <laughs> the first one. All right, here it comes. So, this without is, this is favorite the song, it's an interesting idea. You know, it's like it's the whole history of exploration building up to the NX one. Yeah, um, here's my question. Is it Star Trek? Well, that's a thing I was about to say. On the yeah, other yeah, hand, on. it feels like that sort of 
again, what we talked about early on, they were trying to make a Star Trek series, but not like they were almost embarrassed to be Star Trek. And that feels like this kind of is feeding into that in the same way where it's like, yeah, we see the HMS Enterprise and we do eventually see the Phoenix and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it, but that's it, it's, literally at five seconds to the end. Yeah, the it's Phoenix. still this weird kind of rejection of Star Trek while being Star Trek. I don't know if I if I get that. So, I mean, I do think that it has I think it's consistent with sort of the vision for the show in that it is a prequel. You know, you know, humanity's first steps into yeah. the galaxy. The one uh, thing yeah. I could definitely do without is the superimposed image of a road over space. Like, yeah, that's, that's just, like, one. my first metaphor fucking book. Aw, like, baby's take that first shot. metaphor. Yeah, take that shot out. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah I, I think the shots in there are kind of dumb, but I, I, I don't know. I kind of like the montage of the different, you know, the yeah. space program and... It looks like it's for a history show, though. I mean, that's the thing, like, because also, like, seasons one and two, we don't even have Star Trek in the title card. Mm. You don't realize that this is going to be a Star Trek show until the final second when we see a ship. Yeah, it does Otherwise, It feels like something you're going to watch on the History Channel, like man's greatest inventions or something. You're right. It doesn't feel very Star Trek. It maybe would feel more Star Trek if they had just used what would be retooled into Archer's theme. Possibly. What was originally the opening Or if they included the word Star Trek in the title card. If you go with the in-universe explanation, that is actually the intro you see when you call up the NX-01 holodeck program to relive uh, history. Jesus Christ, don't ruin it for Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I appreciate, you know, whatever you you think about the show itself, that at least once a season... Discovery has a very blatant yes, Enterprise happened reference. Oh, you haven't watched Lower Decks. Lower Decks loves making Enterprise references. Well, at least they're doing something right. But anyone en- notice Lower Decks very- also makes a lot of TAS references, which I don't like, know. What? They have a BEM. Yeah. So yeah, I, ugh, I, mm, yeah, better song would have made it better. I get what they're going for. It's it a does. little gimmicky, and that's, I think, where little. I'm like, eh, I, I get it. I just, I don't know, maybe I need something else for, to be a, a sci-fi opening. We were just in that weird world where everything was trying to do prequels because of oh, yeah. episode one. Because this like, is, what, 2001? Okay, yeah, that's that time. Yeah, I mean, literally everything. Jesus Christ, there was a Dukes of Hazard prequel. There was a Dumb and Dumber prequel. Everyone went fucking prequel stupid for a few How years. How did we get a Dumb and Dumber prequel, but not an Ace Ventura prequel? That's we the real did. crime. What? There was like a little kid Ace, Detect- Ace Ventura movie. Oh, I missed that. Although I think maybe he was supposed to be his nephew, not... So maybe it wasn't. But look into it. There may have been a prequel. There was also a cartoon, and it was terrible. Mm. Or the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh wait, that was no, that was the yeah. early nineties. And the Young, and is, young my Sherlock point is that Holmes. prequels aren't weren't invented by Star Wars. No, no, but because of Episode One, everyone and their mother like. I mean, yeah. I mean, fuck. I mean, you talk about Indiana Jones. Temple of Doom is technically the first movie chronologically. Speaking of Indiana Jones, let's talk about Nazis, because let's talk about In a Mirror Darkly. Because mm. Enterprise, as I've said in the last two, two blogtivities we've done, 
does something different for their Mirror Universe episodes in that they have a whole new title card, they have a whole new opening sequence, they have a whole different song they use, which is not the Faith of the Heart song. We're going to watch that one right now. Have some fun. (laughs) That looked dumb as fuck. (laughs) No, no, you mean amazing. (laughs) No, pretty sure that's not what I mean. Oh, no. Take that, Klingons. Oh, that looks awful. Yikes. I mean, I can appreciate, I can totally appreciate that they maybe weren't sending their best and brightest to do the CG for this two-episode two piece from a show that already people weren't really doing their best on, but Voyager's CG was so much better than that obviously terribly CG'd, like, Terran Empire symbol. I think they were just really leaning, I mean, I know we haven't watched them, but... I think they were just leaning into the fact that these are possibly two of the campiest episodes of Star Trek since the original series. So this your is favorite episodes all time. So what you're saying <laughs> They're is up there. you want me to believe that that CG was on purpose and it isn't just shitty CG. Uh, yeah, column A, column B. When in Rome. I love the opening, but having just looked at it, on the other hand, it's also super depressing. Because when you think about it, like, in reality, most of our technological leaps for the past several centuries were actually a direct result of war. Like, the original opening is about, like, exploration and the betterment of humanity, but when you actually look at so much of what we have achieved, it actually is because we were looking for better ways to murder each other. Well, and and furthermore, like, a lot of stuff that we use after World War II was taken directly from, like, Nazi scientists. Like, yep. we were like, you know what, we'll give you a pass if you come do that shit well, for us. how did we get to the moon? We flew there, Chris. Yeah, but who invented the rocket? I don't know, a Nazi? Nazis. Cool. Bunch of Nazis. Not Van Gilder. What's cool. the guy's name, Jake? Van, Von Braun. Von Braun. I was about to say Oppenheimer. What did Oppenheimer do? No, he, he helped the atomic invent the, bomb, He invented right? the bomb. The A-bomb, yeah. Okay. He was one of ours, though. Oh. He just was German. Sounds kind of German. <laughs> But yeah, this this uh, opening sequence, like, I give them so much credit for just going out and doing it. Like, that yeah. is really, really neat that they just went, you know what, we're going to do the normal Enterprise opening sequence, but evil. But yeah. all evil things that happen and all war stuff. And then the ending is different because the ending is way different because, you know, yeah. as we just said in the Enterprise sequence... You see the Enterprise for all of a frame. In mm-hmm. this one, they actually have a bunch of ships flying around attacking. They have some... I don't know if that's a sequence that's in this in the episode because I don't know the episode, but I they think have this like is a clip some... from another episode where they had a firefight. Okay, but yeah, they have some stuff that is more Star Trek, so already a like Ace is better. But and I think I I don't remember, but I don't think there's ever a shot like that one with the uh, with an NX class being flanked by two Delta ships attacking anyone. So that might have to have been completely original, not yeah, just yeah, well, it was also, adding the yellow. Yeah, I think it was just, um, I think it must have been something that was created for that sequence. Yeah, because we don't really see those Delta ships much outside of the opening sequence, if ever. I do like that they that they have almost the same shot of the ship flying over the moon, but in this version, it's, it's, it's attacking it. the moon. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, nice. I thought yeah. the theme to this is really good, too. I know we talked about themes already, but yeah. it's so much better. <laughs> yeah, but it is also, like, it wouldn't work for a normal no, Star Trek. No, no, it sounds it's evil so bla- as shit. Yeah. yeah, 100%. But I'm just yeah, saying it's like that... it's pirates and Nazis versions of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that. That I I love those episodes so much. God, I don't, I wonder what I'm if I'm going to be able to stand them. Oh god, right, that so, is a 50-50 chance. Moving on to Discovery. So, as of as of recording, we're we just started season 4 of Discovery. Mm-hmm. There are already six different opening sequences for Discovery because oh my they fuck. fuck. They vary it up. They're all slight differences cuz also like all in the the different montage of stuff that they show. Whatever the thing of that season is, they change up a little bit and do and show like some a couple little sequences of the thing from that season. Yeah. And then I didn't realize when we talked about title cards last se- last uh, week, there is a different opening uh, title card and and sequence for their specific mirror 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 universe episode Terra Firma. Oh God damn it! <laughs> which is literally all it is. I I don't even know if I need to bother showing it to you because. If you see on the screen right here, yeah, it is just they take the negative of the video. Oh, mm-hmm. they take flip the negative it. colors and they also flip it upside down. Yeah, so I can it's see the so it's mirrored it. in two different ways. Enterprise put in way more effort. But into neither, its... but neither of those, interestingly, are the direction that it would be mirrored <laughs> in a mirror. True. If the, if the mirror is under you, though. I guess. Yeah, I suppose. And you looked down and then looked up. I don't know. It's. It's a thing they did. They put in at least that much effort. All right, so the question is, how many of these do we want to watch? Oh, God. No more than two. Let's just watch one, because they're so close. Yeah. Right. The, the one thing that I will say before we even do it, the one thing that's weird to me is that in season two, they, like, added the Enterprise Command chair getting assembled. Yeah. It's still there in season four. And like Ugh, they got rid of a bunch of other, you know, the, the original phaser put, getting put together went away. Like a lot of the other stuff went away. But for some reason, the Enterprise, no, it's not the Discovery Command Chair. It's the Enterprise Command Chair. It's very confusing. That is confusing. All right. I'm going to pick uh, my least favorite then. Okay. <laughs> because there's one thing I want to like point at and be like this thing. Uh, okay. So we're going to watch, we're going to watch the season three version. I'll put all these up on the, on the, on uh, our YouTube or on our, um, Tumblr, rather. So you can watch them all if you want. Uh, we're going to watch season three. Bump, bump. So what specifically annoys you? Those robots. I hate those fucking robots because they're made out to be like they're going to be an interesting part of the show. And then in the fucking show, I hate them to fucking death. Well, they're mm. only in it for like three seconds. Like they're only of- in it to be a deus ex machina thing. Yeah. Fix everything in a second as if they've been there all along and then go away. And you're like... What? Cute. I hate them. Oh, they're cute as fuck. They're a great toy to sell to children, but they're an they awful thing in the show. From the show, I don't know if they even have Discovery toys. I don't think they do. Like aside from the yeah, they don't really have. To- I think the only merch they really have are the Eagle Moss models. Which then obviously- why would they even do that? <laughs> God damn it! Uh, the ship is yeah, nice. I don't know. Like the- it's pretty, mm-hmm. but I still don't like it because. It just makes me think of Ikea instruction. Well, see, I was going to say, in in a way, something like this would have made more sense for Enterprise. Because it's all like, all the thing about like blueprints and stuff getting assembled and finalized. And it's like, it feels like something for like, yes, this is our first time really going out. And like, yeah, well, the first two seasons were prequels to the rest of Star Trek. It was still after Enterprise. 
So having this like we're building things motif felt a little yeah. weird. The building motif makes me think that it's for a documentary because everything looks like, oh, this is the thing that we're going to discuss in this documentary that we're doing. Like this could this could literally be the intro for the center seat, which yeah. I think Jake and I mentioned that we're watching on on History Channel right now, narrated by Gates. And like it just doesn't feel it only it only feels like a documentary to me. Yeah, like the moments when it's not doing that, when it's skimming around, flying past weird plants and creepy eyes and stuff, that's a little closer. Yeah, I, I like the one where these... we see the discovery and you see its shadow below on a planet. That's yeah, a nice image. Yeah, like that stuff's cool. I've yeah, never... but overall I don't get it. But it's yeah. also not very consistent with what the show is. Because, you know, if this ship ever visited a weird planet with flower monsters trying to eat them, that might be interesting, but... I mean, it's mostly a melodrama, uh, you know, so like, uh, it doesn't, it, I feel like the, the, I feel like the intro is trying to sell us on a show that Discovery isn't, you know, it, it's, it's not about discovering crazy weird shit, um, it's about the galactic threat of the season, which every season, season is a big and how, galactic And how threat. Michael Burnham is going to rescue us from it. Yeah, I, I, it would be nice to have like a not galactic threat one season. I'm, I'm hoping like that being, being non-serialized, I'm hoping that's what we'll get from uh, Strange New World. Oh, yeah. ditto. Hard ditto. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want them both to be doing that. And I actually agree. Like, it's sort of like how... With Doctor Who, when it first started, it was like every season they had to double down on like the new galactic threat, mm. or the new universal threat. And yeah. It was just like, at some point, one, it's like so fantastical that it's hard to believe it could possibly happen so many times over to the same crew. But also it's just like the stakes could be smaller. I like, mean, at least with Doctor Who, they can fall back on the excuse of he's constantly going through time and space. This, like you said, is the same group of people <laughs> going yeah. through time in order if with a jump at one point. It's like the yeah, force yeah. choosing to be involved with all the same people all the time. It's yeah. Just too much. Like Prodigy, obviously he's going to have sort of a central serialized theme in a way, but like it's personal to these people. It's not a galactic threat yet. Who knows? Maybe it could become one. I, I might be <laughs> speaking too soon. We're only what five episodes in right now. Oh my god, is it that many already? Yep. Um, yeah, I'll say, like, the, the other little little things we see in the other versions of the opening sequence. Like, in season two, we see the Red Angel costume yeah. thing. Yep. We see two different versions, because like there's the first half of the season has it looking one way, then they add another one in the second half of the season for their opening theme. Yeah, okay. Opening sequence. What's in season one? I don't even remember what the deal with season one is. I think is. there's maybe some Klingon shit, maybe? Oh, I don't yeah, that would make sense. Uh, and I season think four, maybe there's the, a planet blowing up. Yeah. I think with season one, maybe two, instead of the Enterprise chair, is the Shenzhou chair. I don't remember. I ha like, I, I'll put them all up somewhere. If you want to watch them all, go for it. I know Chris loves the song. Listen to the song eight times. I just, I, I own the song. I'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on. Let's walk, uh, let's watch the, the Lower Decks opening sequence. Because I've got it here. Did that come before Picard? Oh, fuck. What order do you want to watch them in? Uh, what order did they go in? I thought Lower Decks was him first. But I, I think I, last I, week I did them backwards. Genuinely don't remember. Let's go with Lower Decks since you already said it. All right. 
There's also two different versions of the Lower Decks opening sequence. Let's watch number uh, season two. Season two has like, literally they swap in a, a, a couple more ships in one scene. Okay. But let's watch that one because I think it's a little more interesting. Yeah, I give Lower Decks this. Its opening sequence is very cute. And funny, I like that they're like, oh, they see like the Borg cube and all the fighting. They're like, you know what? Let's not. We're good. We're not equipped for this. They fly it's, away. It's like uh, a... It, hard it's... pass. <laughs> Uh, it's a hard call. I don't know. On the one hand, it's like it's it's like does does every scene need to have a punchline? Eh. I mean, there's what there's like four or five scenes, and then the final scene that's just the ship. Yeah. So yes, it does because I do. I do kind of like the, the. I will say the one I think I like the most. Well, no, the funniest one is definitely "fuck this noise," but I do enjoy <laughs> that the space slug sucking on the nacelle actually like kind of looks out at the audience. Yeah, my favorite is when it's just flying over some ice rocks. It, it, it scrapes an ice rock, and then it starts going a little sideways. And the moment all the lights go out on the ship, you're like, "Oh, whoops!" <laughs> that one's very funny to me. Mm. Again, what are your theme... thoughts on this one, Jake? I I don't mind it. I th- I think it's true to what the show is, you know, and that it's goofy. it doesn't make a lot of references, which is great. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, again, though, the theme, it sounds more like a parody of Star Trek. It is <laughs> a parody of Star Trek. <laughs> well, like, I, again, I feel like it could have been the theme to Galaxy Quest. It is the theme to Galaxy Quest. Oh, uh, although I will say, obviously, better than the fucking Love Boat theme that TAS had. <laughs> Considering how much they like referencing it, I'm a little surprised they didn't do, like, an updated version of that. Instead of writing a new one. I mean, what oh, would it Christ. have been? Uh, just better orchestration, made a little less seventies. Mm. So basically, nothing like it. Well, no. Uh, just, uh, who wants to watch the Picard opening sequence? Ooh, me, 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 me. Here it comes. Yeah. So while while it was playing, probably that was probably cut by now. We, uh, yeah, we're gonna like eyes because we're gonna see one in the Prodigy opening too. Mm. So only wasn't there only- one in Discovery? Am I nuts? Yeah, there was one in Discovery. Yeah, well, they love eyes here. now. You know yeah. why there's an eye in Prodigy? Because they're learning that there's no eye in Team. But there is an eye in Prodigy. That's okay. <laughs> what? Don't I noticed. That face. I noticed on this watch of the of the opening sequence, which I hadn't noticed before because I haven't been watching that closely, is the little the little fleck piece that we start at the beginning is the same little fleck piece that we follow throughout because mm. it's got the same little arrow shape. And yeah. it's the one that ends up in Picard's cheek. So it, it's, a, it's a nice little moment of continuity of watching, like, this little fleck and what its journey is going to be as it gets to where it needs to go. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of cute. I would say this maybe is a, a better example of it, it's trying to sell you a show that maybe it is, kind of, <laughs> to sort of uh, take what Jake said. Yeah, it's, um, all, it's very specific to the season, to season one of Picard. I, I'm certain when it comes out in a little while, a couple, couple months, I think, uh, when season two comes out, I'm certain it'll be a whole different oh, uh, yeah. opening sequence. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. This is very specific imagery to season one. It's also the first time in series history where a character appears in the opening sequence. Oh. Hmm. I mean, if you don't count those characters in, uh, in the mirror episode of Enterprise. Yeah, I don't Good know point. Would. Uh, it's I, first I, I time think- in a... Non-special opening. <laughs> in a I mean, it's regu- also the first Star Trek series to be named after a character. So. That that is definitely. Will there true. be more? Probably. Star Trek Can't Garrick. Wait for 
Star Trek Barkley. Oh, God. Star Trek who I shifted. Barkley. Uh, Star Trek Okona. No. Star Wars Okona. There it is. That's much better. <laughs> That's just called Solo. <laughs> Okona, a Star Trek story. Basically. What are other people's thoughts on the, on the Picard Matata. sequence? I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's again, it's 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 got a lot of imagery from the show, and once you watch the season, you know, you can kind of look back at that and be like, "Oh, okay, I, I get it now." Yeah, that's what I that see meant. what you did there. Oh yeah. boy! And again, like yeah. I said last time, I'm a sucker for the music. So yeah, it is a really lovely theme. Yeah, and even when you don't know what the different bits are until you're like, "Oh, I get it." The two little cells are Soji and Dodge. Yeah. Ah, even without knowing that, it's not like distracting you. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It's like, no, no, you'll you'll either get it later or you'll keep enjoying because it it's a cute little image. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put on Prodigy, and then we can and then we can talk about it. Uh, was that a Tellerite hand? What was that? Yeah, I think it was the Tellerite's mechanical arm. There's Gwen. He has a mechanical arm. How did yep. I like never notice that? Grievous. Darth Vader. General Grievous. <laughs> Janeway. Did I miss? Uh, Doll? What is Doll's image? Who's Doll again? The, the lead the guy. The purple kid. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice him. Yeah, I don't know if they've shown him. Or he if they comes did, at I the end, it. doesn't he? Or am I making that up? I think you're making it up. Oh. No, there he is. He's the purple thing on the right. <laughs> did they show Rock either? I don't know if they show no, Rock. She, I think... I think that there are in, in the Prodigy sequence, like, there are things that represent each character... Some mm. way more literally than others. Yeah, like we like said, we saw Zero outright. Yeah, we saw annoying Tellerite's mechanical hand. Jankum, that's his name. What? Jankum. Yeah, there Jack- we go. Jacklum. Jankum. Uh, we do see like, what's her name in profile? The, the Gwen. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we see Janeway. Yep. We see Vader, Grievous. Yeah. I don't know that character's name. That is all. Neither he do is. I. Big <laughs> robot. Uh, I don't know either. Father's name is something. The Diviner or something? Yeah, the Great Diviner or Big Johnny Diviner. Fred Diviner. Yeah, Big Johnny Diviner. I think that's right. Yeah. Diviner? I hardly know her. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a nice little touch to do like there's a little representative thing of each character. I bet if we like looked through and been like, okay, I bet those rocks are rock Yeah, are rock, yeah. Or like, and I don't know what uh, Dahl is. I'd have, to, I'd have to look at, like, each each bit specifically, but he's, I'm sure he's the first one, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's his eye. Hmm. And, of course, then they're all the faces of the hero cast are in the title. Yep. So, but yeah, a, a, a very good opening. I'm very fond it's of it. Pretty. Like it's it. pretty. It's pretty as fuck. It's very pretty. It's a nice, like, it's sort of a nice fusion of how they did sort of the newer title sequences, like the Discovery and Picard style, with earlier shows like it, it's it's most specifically i think like voyager and the modern title sequences kind of got together because you see the ship going through space but then it's also occasionally going past weird just abstract shit and it's like kind of the perfect union of both concepts yeah it's definitely not just a random array of crap and it's yeah. definitely not just ships flying by the ship yeah. looks really good in, it does uh, looks in the great sequence. The the proto star is very pretty, and I love when it's like flying through like some gassy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I, I am fascinated with the fact that the uh, deflector is not a dish, but just kind of a strip. Uh, I like that. It's something new. But yeah, no, very good opening. 
Yeah, I like that one. And we're going to talk about which ones, which ones of these openings are our favorites and our least favorites. And that one's definitely a contender for favorite for me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very good. But does anyone else have thoughts on your, your favorites and your least favorites? I've got them all in front of us right now as their, as their thumbnails. Um, a lot of them are very similar. Mm. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with least favorite TAS because it's pretty much just TOS. But it's shitty. Yeah, like it's a low effort version of TOS. Yeah, yeah that's low effort. Like if it, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. If TAS didn't exist, it would probably be TOS because it's really like Blah. nothing. Yeah, but it's the fact that TAS is TOS, but worse when it has no excuse to be. Right, that makes it yeah. the worst of the lot. So TAS is your worst too, Chris. Yes. Yeah, I guess I would I would go along with that too. Like and again, like TOS and TNG really isn't anything, you know. Yeah, TNG has the added of having some planets at the top, but then we don't see planets again. Yeah, like all it's three, just you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah, well, T yeah, TNG, you can clearly see they were just doing TOS, TOS again, but they improved upon TOS, whereas TAS did it again, but did not improve on it. Yeah. And just added shittier animation. And worse music. And worse music. I don't so. know. I have to I have to also call out DS9 seasons one through three as being Wait, just boring. a lot of nothing. Just a lot of mm. let's just look at this one model and every single a angle you can think of. No, that's fair. Like, I think that one's definitely got to be down there. I'm, I'm trying to like pick one, just, just which one is my least favorite. And right now, that one I want to like speak to because... Like, there's exactly nothing happens. I think they realize nothing happens by season four, and that's yeah. why season four is different. I, I Really, what we're, what we're coming to is that DS9 season four was actually the first big turning point for Star Trek title sequences. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Because then they really kind of get their act together with Voyager. Yeah, Voyager looks great. Enterprise had a an idea, and they did it. Yeah, they ran with it, and they can't deny shit's happening. Yeah, and then all the all the more modern stuff, all the new Trek, just they just do tons and tons of let's show all the graphics that we fucking can. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, a solid departure from TOS, which was let's not show any graphics, let's show this one thing we've got. Yeah, which again, which I get it. Ship. It's 1966 and you're broke. Yep. <laughs> I didn't bother showing you guys the cage because I couldn't find a good copy of it, but the cage is... Very similar, worst mm. title title card. <clears throat> like probably uh, just a, the least effort title card you've ever seen in your life. Did they not have <laughs> the font yet? Nope. Oh, very generic Arial looking font. Ugh. At least it wasn't yeah, just, Comic Sans. Just to be different, because that's what I do. I'm going to say least favorite DS9 seasons one through three. Fair, fair. Or maybe just the I mean, I'd say the emissary one, but I don't even think that it's it's worth stating the difference between the two. But yeah, yeah, no. Favorite's uh, tough, because I do like a couple of these. Yeah. I think Voyager is definitely in consideration. Yeah, Voyager great... put effort in, especially for, you know, 1994-ish. And the graphics hold up really nicely. They do. That's true. I, I don't think I can say it's my favorite, but, you know, again, honorable mention to the to the effort put into the Mirror Universe Enterprise ones. Yeah. You know, just a bit of fun. Yeah, well, they, did, they did some uh, some work there. Yeah, they did some extra, little extra work, you know. And, and who knows, maybe part of the reason it looks shit is because it was a last minute idea. So I was like, hey guys, what if we did like a whole new sequence? 
Uh, even if, again, it is also slightly depressing because you realize that's way closer to reality than the nicer opening. Yeah, and I gotta say, the, the Prodigy opening sequence is fucking beautiful. The Lower Decks one, like, I gotta give a lot of credit, too, because it's probably the best thing about that show. <laughs> um, and going to, you know, I, I shit on that show a lot, but, you know, the there, there's some good stuff to that show. But the, the opening sequence, like, tells you straight up this is going to be a comedy. It doesn't yeah. warn you about all the fucking references. No. Although it is very, you know, I mean, it does open very much in the TNG mold. And ends in it. But yeah, just, that's, uh, that's... just watch the ship fly away. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, no, you know, I mean, I, I, I think I gotta go with Prodigy as my favorite. Wow, because uh, you know, no, again, I like, don't blame you. Discovery and Picard, I love the music, but like, again, the Discovery openings are just kind of weird. Um, and there's so many of them. Yeah, Picard's pretty solid. I mean, it's up there, I would say. But again, it, it's sort of like, like I said, Prodigy being this sort of perfect mix of the new and old era title sequences all just kind of works out nicely. Yeah, mm. I'd agree with that. I think I'm going to say Prodigy is my favorite as well, because it's it's very dynamic. It's very pretty. It speaks to the show. I think I said in one of our blog posts or somewhere that Prodigy transcends kids show and is Star Trek. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, because of like a lot of the detail and the work that they put in. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm still... Jury's still out for me with Prodigy if it's Star Trek or Star, Star Wars. Wars in Star Trek clothing. It's so Star we'll Wars dressed up as Star Trek. That's great. I like it. I think uh, it starts off that way, but I think it's shedding Star Wars yeah, clothing. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think as the it last proceeds. few episodes. So again, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the rest of the season and we'll, we'll see where it comes down. But I mean, it's not bad. It's, it's no. fun to watch either way. For me, I think the best. I, I have to go. I have to give it to Voyager with with yeah. prod, probably Prodigy as a as a close second, but but I'm gonna go with Voyager for my my. Yeah, that's that's a good Love one. It. Yeah, I'm really torn between Prodigy and Voyager, honestly. Like, I do think Prodigy is probably better, but I don't know if that means I like it better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. I really do like the Voyager one quite a bit. I, sounds like you've decided. Yeah, I guess I like Voyager best. Wait. Oh. So before we wrap. I had one one last thought. Does anyone have thoughts on how they would like Strange New Worlds to open? Um, just like TOS. No, that's terrible. Um, a picture of Anson Mount's face while the theme plays. Here's what I want. I want it to not be a gimmick. I want it to be straightforward. Good fucking luck with that Star Trek. <laughs> oh, right. Like, so do we? You know, do we? You like. You know, like, do we want them to eschew sort of the Discovery slash Picard style and try to do something a little more traditional without going full TOS? Or maybe do we want them to do something a little more prodigy, which is kind of a a meld of how the newer and the older have done it? And then the question is, do they get a new theme or just a bigger orchestra style TOS one? They're good. I'm. Yeah. I'm almost certain they're going to do a new theme because yeah, that's what you do theme, for a show. But I wouldn't be surprised if it has Touches. nods. Yeah. To uh, to the original. Oh, I, mean, I guess they original. all kind of have nods. Here and original, D but... and Discovery, both of them. Yeah, but I, I I would I would hope that they don't do like the abstract, you know, Discovery or Picard style. I just don't know that it's for the type of show that I think 
or that they have sold us that it's going to be. Yeah. I don't know that those that those intros are are appropriate for that. No, I would but agree. I, I'd like to see something more along the lines of, you know, maybe something like the Voyager or the or the Prodigy intro where you have, you know, some hero shots of the ship and it's yeah. going cool places. Like go for like, hey, what if TOS had had money? <laughs> And yeah. more advanced special effects. Um, I also really wonder if that show is going to be an ensemble show or if it's going to be the Pike, Spock, and number one show. And then yeah, and that, the rest. That remains to be seen. Well, the casting of all the other characters has to be very excited because they've yeah. got an Uhura, they've got a Chapel, they've got an Mbenga, which is cool. Yeah, that's great. Uhura? Oh, yeah, they did have an Uhura. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So She's I'm, I'm really hoping that, yeah, I'm hoping they they try to make it an ensemble show. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing, is for all that we make fun of the fact that, like, Discovery, we don't really know the bridge crew. If you rewatch TOS... It is mostly the Kirk, Spock, and McCoy show in oh, a lot yeah. of ways. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, Scotty shows up sometimes. Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> Every so often, like, Chekhov gets to have a girlfriend, and Sulu gets to do something, and Uhura's there. I know, she gets so swept under the rug, that show. I, I'm hoping, you know, I, it is, if they're doing their job right, new Uhura will have more to do in one season of Strange New Worlds than poor Nichelle Nichols did between three series and six movies. Agreed. Yeah, so I, I think I, I think a nice sort of maybe, again, a Prodigy-style hybrid approach would be nice, or a Voyager-style approach. Yeah, I want to see, I, I want it to feel like adventure, not like yeah. I'm watching like some kind of documentary or some kind of you have to find the meaning in every single part of the sequence yeah. i want it to feel like we're exploring because that's what the show is supposed to be about yeah. yeah having said that if they want to do the tos theme but with the lyrics i will also accept that the lyrics jesus christ by jack black jack black has to sing it that works but it has to be played over a shirtless anson mount playing as a liar <laughs> <laughs> Spock's the one that plays the liar. Not now, it isn't. <laughs> this is a strange Everyone, new world, bitch. Liar. Mm. Yeah, we'll see what happens when that series comes out. We'll see what happens when the next season of Picard comes out. Yep. I don't know if we'll we'll speak to them, but we'll see what we do when those come out. Next week, we've got other stuff coming out, though. We do. So I don't know thank what. You, thank you so much for listening to all of our driveling on about opening sequences. We like the Voyager one, which is appropriate because we're watching Voyager right now and we're going to watch more next week. Next mm-hmm. week, we're covering the final two episodes of season one. So guess what Holy else we're doing next week? Oh, shit. Top and bottoms. Holy Real fuck. short season. Super short. There's not a lot to choose from. So Too short a season. That's a terrible episode. Uh, next week, episodes are Jetro Jetro, and Tull? Learning Curve. <laughs> So listen to those next week. We'll have that out for you on SoundCloud, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you can go and get podcasts. You can find us there. You can check out this blogtivity that we were just talking about and watch all the opening themes you fucking want uh, on our Tumblr, sshbpodcast at tumblr.com, like the thing. You can also find all of that stuff at sshbpodcast.com. You can find all this stuff. We'll put it all up on the Facebook. We'll put it all up on the Twitter. I'm already not doing anything with our MySpace, because why? It, yeah, it, it's Chris. very undynamic. I'm very disappointed. 
I was looking forward to like really diving into that, but it has no functionality. Yeah, but keep hanging out with us. We're going to keep doing this. As usual, my name has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. This has been Jake. And this is always Chris. I hope we get to see more of Durst. (laughs) Oh. I hope we don't, because it would be on Scabman. Thank you.